When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Can a football coach really get in trouble for yelling too much at his players? One of our topics, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. Michelle Smallman with you, and we go to the hotline. Chris Carlin's name is on this show, and he joins us now. Chris, I take notes on a notepad, not a phone. Uh, Michelle has brought up a number of get-off-my-lawn topics that make her sound like an old man. What, what is what is one of yours? What What is a belief, a deep-seated belief you have that makes you sound like you're telling someone to get off of your lawn? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a notepad guy. Uh, I don't love taking notes on the phone, but I've done that more out of necessity. Uh, boy. Uh, I'm just, I feel old to begin with, with everything. So I've tried to like, in that very awkward way, act younger, like greetings, fellow kids, you know, what like is that. up my people? So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, so I don't even know that if I could think of one at the moment that I could even admit it because I live in denial uh, and it's cool. a very comfortable place. Carlin, I know that you're on TikTok. You're thriving on TikTok. We've talked about several of your TikTok videos here on this very show, churning mm. out content. But when you're on there, are you seeing any of these trends that the kids are doing that really irk you? You know, I, I, I listen, like the stupid things that they're doing, you know, when it comes to uh, there's no specific ones, I would say, because my algorithm is like all old man stuff anyway. Like, there is old man TikTok, and I'm on it. Like, some, it, it, that's what I want to study is people's algorithms when they're scrolling through. Because somehow I got on an algorithm where for a week and a half I could not get rid of earwax removal oh, on no. TikTok. And I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't do anything. I never said I want earwax removal videos, people. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't I'll, know. I'll give you two, Chris, that I love that I are part of my algorithm. Have you ever seen the yeah. carpet cleaning videos? They are so relaxing. They have dirty they're, they're carpet. They're very relaxing and satisfying, yeah. And it's so yeah. satisfying. Then the other one is like the clogged drain that gets unclogged and you just see the water drain away. Oh, if I'm having yeah. a stressful day, those are the best. Yeah, you know, I, I could see that. The satisfying type videos, like – one time, Canty said something about, uh, I think it was his fault, said something about blowing his nose or something, and then all of a sudden, like a day later, I'm getting nose-blowing videos. Like, <laughs> they're listening all the time. So, like, right now, clearly, I'm going to start getting carpet-cleaning videos coming across. Well, Carlin, it seems like we've taken this 
get off my lawn thing a little bit into sports because Eric Bieniemy and the way he coaches and kids not adapting to it, young players not adapting to it, that could be a little bit get off my lawn, right? We heard you in the open talking about Ron Rivera making those comments to the media about players not adapting well to Eric Bieniemy's coaching style. He has since walked it back a bit, clarified his statements, and he said he put his foot in his mouth with those comments about Bieniemy. What's your reaction to him walking back those initial comments? You know, I kind of talked myself through this this morning on um, on the show when I was filling in for Greeny. And it strikes me that, and maybe it's a little bit a conspiracy theorist on my part, okay? Eric Bieniemy hasn't been able to get a head coaching job in the NFL for whatever reason. Then it's this year he leaves the Kansas City Chiefs because it's, well, he has to go do it somewhere else without Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And he goes to the Washington Commanders, who have Sam Howell as their quarterback. They have a head coach who is very much in peril and barely survived this past year, and an ownership situation where uh, it has just changed. Could, in this instance, Ron Rivera be basically pointing out the flaws of Eric Bieniemy as a preemptive protection of his back. Yep. In other words, you know, is he worried about Eric Bieniemy pushing him off the cliff to get the head coaching job in Washington next year? I brought up uh, Chris, I brought up the same thing. I thought the same thing. And this is the danger of you bring in a new owner. They always change coaches, right? I mean every time yeah. I assume the minute I saw that sale go through that Ron Rivera was totally going to be in a dead man walking situation. And I, I would be stunned if he survived after this year, especially, you know, you still look at those quarterbacks. Their defense has been pretty good. They can't score on anybody. And it just feels like the new ownership is going to want to bring in their guy. Yeah, it does feel that way. And unless Sam Howell walks in the door and becomes the modern day Tom Brady, um, you know, I don't know how good they're going to be. I did predict that they would finish ahead of the Giants in the NFC East because their because their defense can be uh, just that good and was that good last year. I would say that um, you know if they can find their way to 21 points a game, they're going to be in a decent spot. They're they're going to the the question is is you know eight and nine nine and eight going to be enough to save Ron Rivera. I don't know the answer to that. We're Not when they finished 8-8 eight and eight last year. Sorry to jump you there, Carlin. I was going to say we just talked earlier to Nui Scruggs, who's a sports director for NBC5 in Dallas-Fort Worth, and uh, Aaron Goldhammer presented him with a, a simple wager. Would you bet a dollar on Dak Prescott getting it done? Two minutes left. He needs to win the game. He said he would bet a dollar. He said he would bet $100 on Dak to get it done. Would you lay down the money on him to do it? I would collect his $100. I would happily do that. Um, I would not. And I don't think Dak's a bad quarterback. I just think that last year, at the moment, has a sour taste in my mouth. Um, Whether or not the Cowboys uh, get to the promised land this year is all in his hands. And we've heard Jerry say it, and we've heard C.D. Lamb, a guy who is trying to get paid, say it i do think there is a degree of people who will be paying attention specifically to him outside of fans and media and such is this really going to be good enough to get us over the hump if you're jerry jones 
Are we going to do an extension right now for salary cap purposes, or are we going to ride this out and see where we are at the end of the year? I think they should ride it out. And until I see otherwise, I, I don't believe that at this point uh, I would throw 100 bucks on Dak to get it done. Uh, maybe a buck, but 100 bucks? Come on. No. I, I said I'd trust Jimmy Garoppolo in that spot more. Am I crazy? <laughs> I see the rationale. I wouldn't, I wouldn't full-on say I trust him more. I see the rationale, though. Good stuff. I see where your 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 uh, what's the from? word I'm looking for? Idiocy would have taken you there. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to just light up the phone lines. You know me, Chris. Carlin, appreciate the time. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Here's the get off my lawn thing, real quick that I just thought of. Yes. Yeah. Quite literally, I get annoyed at other people on my block when they don't cut their lawns. Oh. That I think that's fair. Do you cut your own grass? No, absolutely not. That is that is that is thirty one dollars well spent each and every week. I'm very comfortable with that. Um, I do not either, but I feel like less of a man because I don't, and I feel the need to to buy a lawnmower and make this my own personal mission for the uh, for the coming fall. So I'll let you know. How yeah, it listen, I did it. I, I bought a lawnmower when I first bought a house. I did it for maybe a year and a half, and then I was like, "What the hell am I doing here?" No, yeah. absolutely yep. not. I'm I'm dumping uh, you know grass clippings everywhere. No, that's not happening. No. Listen, more. if you're on Chris's block, you better cut your lawn. Otherwise, you're going to hear about it on Canty and Carlin. Appreciate it, Chris. And they've got a god awful statue too on the front lawn. Oh, too. Oh, get your yeah. statues and chairs. Get your Adirondack <laughs> chairs off the front lawn, please. <laughs> Lawn ornaments? What are we doing here? Lawn ornaments? What are we doing? No. I mean, I've tried to say goodbye to Chris seven times. Miss Sorry. Sally needs to go. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Bye, it's Chris Carlin. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Michelle Smallman. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road, on the water. See how much you can save by going to 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or going to Progressive.com. We always talk about coaches when it comes to hot seat, but we don't talk enough about quarterbacks. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Michelle Smallman. So it's time for us to decide which quarterbacks are and aren't on the hot seat headed into this season. It's time to play quarterback hot seat. We bring in the producer of Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, Shannon Penn. What's up, Shannon? All right, so easy enough. I'll give you a quarterback. you got to tell me if his seat is hot, warm, or cold. You got it? Easy enough, right? Simple? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy? All right, cool. Michelle, I will start with you. Great. Russell Wilson. How hot is Russell Wilson's seat in Denver? I think it's scorching hot. He has a lot to prove this year. He wanted out of Seattle, and what happened? He had the worst year of his career. All these headlines about him having, let's just face it, kind of diva-like behavior. It was a disaster. And what happened in Seattle? They thrived. Geno Smith came in and did a great job, had had an awesome season. And I think now that you've brought in Sean Payton to revitalize his career, there are no more excuses for Russell Wilson outside of Seattle. I mean, he's got to prove that he still has it. Sean Payton has said he hasn't lost it, so it's up to him to do it. I think that the pressure is hot, hot, hot. I think it's the surface of the sun hot. And I think what's on the table for him, what's at stake for him, Yes. Oh, there is it. that the sizzle? That's the that is the sound of heat 
Um, I think Russ's Hall of Fame credentials are really on the table here because, yes, he led Seattle to their only Super Bowl championship and really their only professional sports championship, right? So that's a major positive with a great defense. He also threw the most famous interception in NFL history. And now there's a chance that he's going to be a part of the worst trade in NFL history. And if you've got those two things on your resume, there's a pretty compelling Hall of Fame argument against you. So I think he's really got to turn it around and prove that it was Nathaniel Hackett's fault what happened last year and not his. And I think that's what's at stake for him. His whole quarterback reputation is hanging on the line. Next! It's it's really quickly, though, especially because the Legion of Boom, that defense in Seattle, was so prolific. You know, they'll always point to that. Anyway, next. All right, Aaron. How hot is Mac Jones' seat in New England? I think it's moderately warm. Look, last year, no one could blame Mac Jones for what happened. He had a great rookie season, and then Belichick decided to make Matt Patricia his offensive coordinator, and Matt Patricia's been a defensive coach his whole life. So, to me, none of that falls on Mac Jones. I don't think anybody thinks that Mac Jones is the second coming of Tom Brady or even the second coming of, I don't know, Kirk Cousins. But I think that he has to just play okay in order to hang on to this job and maintain his spot as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Michelle? I think it's like when you get in a car and the seat warmer's on. It's warm, but it's not hot. It's like a comfortable warm, and I'm with you. When we talk about pressure in New England, aren't we all talking about Bill Belichick? We're talking about the head coach being under pressure, not the quarterback. I think that the expectations for Mac Jones are to simply be better than he was last year. I think people in New England, you're right, don't expect him to be an elite quarterback. They just want him to be a serviceable quarterback. So he doesn't have to do a, a complete 180 in his career, his performance. So I would say it's warm, not hot. All right, Michelle, how hot is the seat in Minnesota for one Kirk Cousins? I wouldn't say it's that hot. I don't I don't think it's cold because you still always have those questions around him. Can he be a guy to get it done at an elite level? Is a guy like Kirk Cousins somebody you can win a quarterback or excuse me, a Super Bowl with? But I still think he's in the conversation for a top 10 quarterback, so I don't think he's got a ton of pressure on him. Oh, Michelle, I think it's a hotter seat than you do. Um, Really? I I do. I think blowing that playoff game to the Giants and Daniel Jones after they went 13-4 and was absurd. And I think that Kirk Cousins has proven that if it's a 1 o'clock game against the Commanders, he could play great. And if it's Monday night football against the Packers, he's going to play like trash. And in the playoffs, he's going to be bad. He's won one playoff game in his entire career. So he is also like Dak Prescott. I think those two quarterbacks are in a very similar place, which is like purgatory. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell decided sooner rather than later that they would want a very expensive but just above average quarterback to be somebody else's problem. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. We are talking quarterback hot seat. Our choice is hot warm or cold on each of these QBs. Shannon Penn is with us. Who's the next one, Shannon? All right, Aaron. Tua Tango. See? I'm sitting here joking with with Bubba. Like, I always mess up Tua's last name. I'm working on the cadence. I'm trying to practice it. Crack the mic and mess it up right away. So, Aaron, how hot is Tua's seat in Miami? Say the last name, Shannon. I'm not answering the question until you correctly pronounce the man's last name. Tonga. Okay, I won't do it. Tonga Vailoa? I go Tugavailoa. Me too. Tugavailoa. I always go Tugavailoa. How hot is the seat on Tua? Actually, I think it's cold, but 
I think the thing that's going to end his tenure as Miami's quarterback is another concussion, not yeah. the fact that he's going to get replaced by somebody better or that he's not going to play well enough when he's out there. I thought he played great last year, Michelle, when he was on the field. I thought last year was his hot seat year, and he really proved that he belongs. It's just can he stay healthy is the main question, Michelle. I am so with you. He was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL last year when he was healthy. But the question is, can he stay healthy? I think he feels pressure, not as if he's looking over his shoulder, like you said, for his job to be taken away from him. But I just wonder what it's like to know that. I mean, I guess everybody's one hit away from their career ending, right? But I don't think everybody walks on the field and thinks about He's it all the time. really one hit away. Correct, correct. And I just, I know he has done everything in his power in the offseason to learn how to fall in a different way, tuck the chin in. He's been practicing jujitsu. He's done what he needs to do in order to protect himself in the best manner that he can. But there's got to be pressure every time you go out there wondering if something like that could happen and you could, you know, have another concussion. All right, Michelle, how hot is the seat for Jordan Love? Love. Jordan Love, how hot is the seat I for Jordan I see you Love? using your hands there. You nailed that one. Um, Bob, I, Bob Shepard over there, Jordan Love. <laughs> Love. <laughs> Number two. two. <laughs> I know that it's hard to be the guy replacing the guy, especially the guy who is a no-doubt slam-dunk Hall of Famer who's getting all sorts of attention in his new place, but I think his seat's ice cold. They're going to give him a couple years to figure it out. I think that they just want to feel confident that he was the right choice heading into 2024, so maybe I'm crazy here, but I think Jordan Love's seat is ice cold. I think his seat is as warm as, you know when you sit down right after someone who just got up and you can still feel the temperature of their butt on your butt? I think that's what's going butt on to with butt. Jordan Love right now. Yeah. The the reality is if he doesn't play great and Rodgers plays awesome, Packer fans are going to be annoyed. And I think that's within the realm of possibility. So the reason why I say it could be warm is if he doesn't play well and then they're looking across and seeing the Jets go 13-4 and four and Aaron Rodgers playing one of his best seasons ever, I think there's going to be a lot of wandering eye and wishing that the Packers handled this differently. So I'd say, you know, it's, it's not on fire, but I wouldn't say that his seat is totally cold. You got time for one more, Shannon? Absolutely have one more for you. Thanks for asking, Aaron. One more quarterback here, Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, how hot is his seat in Tennessee? Is this not the most boring team in the league? Like, I'm having trouble mustering a Ryan Tannehill opinion. Um, I guess his seat is hot because they drafted a quarterback in the second round in Will Levis, who my guess is at some point is going to play this year. Michelle? Same. I think that you're right. They are kind of a boring team, the Tennessee Titans, which, you know, a Mike Vrabel-led team, Derrick Henry, they shouldn't be a, a team that we kind of have to shrug our shoulders about. But I think that... There's a finite amount of time left that Ryan Tannehill will likely be the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. So I think that his seat is a little hot. All right, Shannon, repeat after me. Tua, Tua. Uh-huh, Tua. Tungavailoa. Tannehill. Tungavai. Coming up next, our two-a-days Love. roll along. We have to talk about the Baltimore, say Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Jackson. Have the Ravens surrounded Lamar Jackson with enough offensive weapons? We talk about it. Canty and Carlin say it ESPN radio. Prescott. And the ESPN app. Hurts. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Well, have the Baltimore Ravens finally solved that gaping hole at wide receiver? Our two-a-days continue on ESPN Radio. This is Canty and Carlin. We're on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Michelle Smallman. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We go to the hotline. Kadri Ishmael helps us preview what's going on in Baltimore. He is a 10-year NFL wide receiver, Super Bowl champion for the Ravens and co-host of the purple pregame and postgame on WJZ TV in Baltimore. You can follow him on Twitter at I am Kadri Ishmael. Have the Ravens finally got their passing game in order, Kadri? Well, I would say so. I think when you look at their practices so far here in training camp, they've been on target. They've been accurate. I think outside of the one day where <laughs> I guess it was interception palooza, uh, where Lamar and the rest of the quarterback crew threw about nine interceptions, and uh, that was an anomaly because you saw a, a efficient, uh, very productive, very rhythmic passing attack throughout training camp so far. Give us a little bit more on what you're seeing from this offense. We're hearing that Todd Munkin's new scheme is dangerous. So you've been there, boots on the ground. What have you been seeing from Todd Munkin's offense? So basically what Todd has done is brought in more of a variety of personnel packages, including the three wide receiver group, which when you look at Baltimore under Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman, the old offensive coordinator, historically they've been more 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. Heck, even 13 personnel where they've had three tight ends in the game and rarely did they put in an 11 personnel with three wide receivers. And so I think what we're seeing now, it's more spread everyone out. And, again, you have to defend 52 in the third as far as sideline to sideline. And I think the way in which this offense has been humming, it's getting the ball out of the hands of the quarterback, uh, getting it to his receivers, getting it to his tight ends, getting it to his backs in a variety of ways. And I think that's something that 
is just a stark, you know, 90-degree turn the other way compared to what we saw with Greg Roman. Kadre Ishmael with us talking Ravens on our two-a-days, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. The last time I saw Odell play football, we were deep enough in the pandemic that I was wearing a mask, Kadri, <laughs> while I was watching the game to tell you how long ago it was. Uh, what do you think a good year for him now coming off of this injury looks like? You know, it's it's interesting with Odell. I guess he, you know, was playing with no ACL when he was with the Rams. Um, his leg was strong and, and, and secure enough that he could do that. And obviously he got to the Super Bowl, was off to a hot start. And then, boom, he had the uh, ACL, you know, finally, or the leg just finally give out, period. And with that, I think what we're seeing now is an Odell Beckham who's really paced himself well throughout the offseason. But when he's on the field during training camp, like I just see a guy who's just out there just, you know, full of immense talent and making, you know, spectacular catch after spectacular catch. I don't see him, you know, with any level of a noticeable limp, any level of a setback, any level of slowing down. I just see a guy who's just balling and look like he's having fun. Um, you know, every now and then they'll, they'll, uh, you know, they obviously have him on a pitch count, but they'll pull him out of a practice, but it's not like, you know, you're pulling him out because of an injury or anything. He looks phenomenal. And I think that's just going to help out this ball club, especially, you know, the, the load doesn't necessarily have to be all on Odell. I think it's, you know, a critical third down catch, you know, you're in the red zone, you're looking to score. That's where you would go to Odell but a lot of it is dictated on coverage. And so I think for Lamar Jackson, what Todd Munkin wants to show is that, yeah, we'll line up in these different personnel groupings. We'll line up in these different formations, but now let's go attack the defense and see how the defense lines up against us. So I I would imagine if there is that one-on-one coverage on the backside to Odell, that Odell is going to get the ball. Kadri, what's the biggest concern facing the Ravens this season? Well, I, I think offensively, you know, it's a scenario where you have a strong offensive line, except for the left guard. Um, they've kind of been seeing who can fill in that role. And uh, it's it's basically uh, a, a, a stiff competition. When you look at receiver, obviously Rashad Bateman, he was back out in the practice field today in a limited capacity, but it was good to see him back out there. Um, but J.K. Dobbins, he's been – you know, I, I guess, for lack of a better word, holding in, if you will. And um, John Harbaugh was mentioning he's going to eventually be back out there. We'll see how that looks for him. But uh, those are the, the concerns offensively. I think defensively, it's pretty much a, 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 a defense that's, that's amazing, um, that's, that's extremely talented with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, you know, two of the best linebackers that I've seen work in tandem. Um, their secondary is, is solid as can be with Marcus Williams. And, and obviously, you know, the way you have Marlon Humphreys on one side, um, I just think the other corner is the one that's in question, you know, rock Yassin, He's the, the guy that you signed to take over Marcus Peters role, but he was hurt early in camp. So, you know, he's kind of on the mend and we'll see how he looks when he comes back. But right now, you know, guys like, you know, Kevon Seymour and you know those are the the names that you're going to be hearing as far as you know this this early part of training camp um 
but at the same time, yeah, they have a, a, a strong secondary. You know, uh, Kyle Hamilton has had a phenomenal camp as the other safety opposite of Marcus Williams. And, you know, his level of, of play and coverage as well as, you know, just recognizing what they want to do on defense and his communication level has been outstanding. So, you know, there's some, there's some question marks, but there's not a lot. And I think this Ravens team, you know, you overcome those, you know, left guard opposite uh, Marlon Humphreys corner, those two positions, you're in you're in a, a good spot if you're you're the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, Kadri, I'm in Cleveland, and uh, uh, the, enough of this fawning over how good the Ravens' defense looks and blah blah blah. We'll see you in week number four, my friend. <laughs> you shall, you shall, and again, you guys will do what you always do. You'll look good on paper, and the paper will fold up and crumble yep. by the end yep. of the season. You guys are going to be on the outside looking in. And you guys will do what you always do. Lamar will get hurt and won't play any games in December and January. So I look forward to seeing Tyler Huntley. All right. Well, we'll just have to see about that. You know, oh, wait a minute. That's right. Lamar is the unanimous MVP. Oh, we did go to the playoffs. Oh, all, right, playoffs all right. All right. Enough with Kadri Ishmael. He's a 10 year NFL wide receiver, Super Bowl champ for the Ravens, joining us here on ESPN Radio. Michelle, to answer one of the questions that you asked, Kadri. Mm-hmm. The biggest concern for the Ravens is keeping Lamar healthy. Like course, that has yes. got to be number one on their list. Up next, speaking of college football legends and Heisman Trophy winners, there's a new documentary out about one of them, and he made a shocking admission in this doc. We talk about it next. Canty and Carlin. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Michelle Smallman, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He is one of the biggest draft busts in NFL history, but some shocking revelations about Johnny Manziel's NFL tenure in a new doc came out on Netflix yesterday. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Michelle Smallman. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. I can't believe I'm reading this headline off of the screen right now, Michelle. Johnny Manziel admitted that he watched zero film during his disastrous NFL career. And when I say zero, Michelle, I don't mean like, he didn't watch as the other as much as the other quarterbacks. He didn't work that hard. Like they had the iPad records in Cleveland with the Browns of how much film Johnny Manziel watched in preparing for a game that he was starting, and he had the iPad on for zero point zero zero seconds. So two ways to examine this from the Johnny Manziel side and from the Browns side of things. First of all, I can't believe if you're a member of the Browns brass and you're realizing this, that you would put him out on the field. And I know that he was one of those guys that somehow made it work and you had a big investment in him, so you kind of needed to see what you had. I don't know about you, Aaron, but I would I would not feel comfortable putting Johnny Manziel out there knowing he was 0.0% prepared. And on the Manziel side of things, we know how erratic his tenure was. We know that he was on a wild roller coaster ride and got away with a lot. Yeah. But the disrespect... Towards an organization that took 
a chance on you that made you the face of their franchise that paid you to a fan base who put their hopes in you. That it's it's not surprising because we know that it didn't end up well there. It didn't come to fruition there. But to try 0.0% is really a shame and really disrespectful. You know, there's part of me that feels bad watching this for Johnny because, man, everybody at Texas A&M just rode him to millions of dollars. And, yeah. You know, at least per NCAA rules, Michelle, he couldn't take advantage of any of it. They were selling his jersey in the bookstore. They built yeah. a brand-new stadium on his back. Sure. His coach got a giant contract extension. They went to the SEC thinking they were going to stink, and they beat Alabama the first year, and everybody was just going – he was a phenomenon in college football like none other. He was must-see TV. Yes. But he was doing it with, with a party uh, track record like no one else in sports. And also by not – like somehow he would show up hungover, ill-prepared and run around and throw a bunch of touchdown passes in college. Then he thought he could do that in the NFL – and he ended up wasting part of great players in Cleveland's careers, wasting a lot of time for people in the town in which I live and cover sports. And as somebody that covers the Browns and that's there, I wonder how you feel and how Cleveland feels watching that because we all knew who Johnny Manziel was. We knew that he was an electric talent, but that he was a party boy. I mean, he was in college getting flown to Toronto to party with Drake. It, it yeah. was the yep. the likes of celebrity. We saw a Tim Tebow celebrity that was mania in college. But Johnny Football was a different type of celebrity. He was on the Correct. scene. Correct. And everybody knew it, including the Cleveland Browns. No, the Cleveland Browns didn't know it. Like, we, I, I, I don't saw know it. How it was else, on TMZ. How, he's got the stack of money on his ear. How do they not know? I don't know how else to explain. I think there were enough teams that knew enough about John that he was not even on their draft board, that he was not even in consideration. How Cleveland, I think they got enamored with his persona. They got enamored with JFF. associating with someone who money. was that famous. And the jerseys they would sell and the tickets they would sell. I remember the day after Cleveland drafted him, and I, I cover sports here in Cleveland and have for almost 20 years. Like, there was almost, shy of LeBron and championships, there was no day more exciting than the day the Browns drafted Johnny Manziel. Wow. There was a line out the door of the team shop. Everybody wanted a number two jersey. They couldn't, the tickets were just like impossible to find immediately right out. And I think that's what the Browns drafted more than someone who they actually thought could get on the field and play football. And then how embarrassing. I think it's embarrassing for for football fans here in so close to where the game was invented for them to put him on the field, knowing what they knew just so that they could placate, you know, the marketing side of the business. Man, when your marketing guy starts calling shots in football, you know your team is in a – can you imagine the Patriots marketing guy calling Belichick and being like, ah, I don't know about Mac Jones. Play uh, Hoyer. You know, like, get out of here. I don't Belichick even think he would have, have a line there. Yeah, right. I don't even think he could get access to Bill Belichick, the marketing guy. But – we all knew Johnny Manziel's persona, the larger-than-life persona. We Again, how could the Browns not know? It was on TMZ. But I just think that maybe they thought, well, he found a way to get it done and make it work and run around backyard football style, fling it around at Texas A&M. Maybe he can replicate that here. Maybe that's the stock that they put hope into. At some point, you know, the, the bill comes due for this stuff. And 
In the NFL, you're not just looking over at a big card and, you know, calling a play and you're faster than most of the defensive linemen. Like in the NFL, those guys can really run like you can and they're bigger and stronger than you are. And I think his career, aside from him just being a bust, I think he's a disgrace. There's a little part of me that feels sad for him, but he's the one who's responsible for his own destruction. It's not like he got some string of bad luck or an injury or an accident. or That's not part of his story. He was his own worst enemy. And it's one of the craziest athlete downfalls, I think, in the history of American sports. Up next, is Micah Parsons the best non-quarterback in the NFL? We debate, discuss. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Michelle Smallman, Canty and Carlin's on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.